0: Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life. I'm your host, Avik, and today we are in for an eye-opening conversation with our guest, Melissa Hilde. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. Lovely, lovely. So, Melissa, like before we start our conversation today and uh, delve deep into this topic, I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh, Melissa is a certified holistic sexuality educator, life coach, And the former legal sex worker, she combines academic expertise with real-world experiences. So she's on a mission to guide people to their authentic selves, like breaking free from societal shame. Yes. So from her early uh, gymnastics days to pole dancing, uh, legal sex work, and also about... uh, Touring with the circus, she her journey is nothing sort of extraordinary. Yes. So now she's here to share her insights on the mindfulness in sexuality, liberation from shame, and the path to the authenticity. So let's dive into this empowering conversation with Melissa. Welcome to the show again, Melissa.
1: Thank you so much. That was a great, great bio read. You got lots of, lots of info from my website. I see.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Yes. So, so Melissa, like, uh, uh, as I already mentioned, like I have read your bio and, uh, I have, uh, thoroughly read it, but for the listeners, I would uh, definitely love you if, if you can uh, share your journey from gymnastics to, uh, the pole dancing and, uh, uh, then uh, your work and also touring, uh, to the with the circus is is like truly unique, definitely. So how have uh, these diverse experiences shaped your understanding of the sexuality and the mindfulness? And what prompted you to transition into the holistic uh, sexuality education and the coaching?
1: Great questions. And I'll, I'll answer them as best I can. They're, they're big answers. You know, it's like, it's, it is my whole life. It is my whole life's work. So that's, it's a challenging question, but I'll do my best. So yeah, I started off as a gymnast and, um, I've always studied the human body. I've always been embodied. I didn't lose that. I think a lot of people lose that as they get into adulthood. Um, and I didn't lose uh, a very strong sense of embodiment, which is awareness of my body and my energetic self inside my body. Um, I didn't have a lot of disassociative things, even with trauma. Um, So embodiment is a very strong uh, pillar of my life and of my work. Um, And I got into pole dancing as an adult. I needed that, that child gymnast to have an outlet and I got into pole dancing and then I got into teaching pole dancing pretty quickly. And, um, I taught that in a very conservative area, a very religiously conservative area. And so the people that came to my class were often having huge breakdowns and breakthroughs just in moving their bodies for the first time, particularly in a sensual or sexual way. And um, that naturally just bridged into coaching people with their bodies. But I was also studying sexuality from a very young age, too. And so... Kind of these two parts of my life that I grew up studying that that melded together um, really naturally. So I started in two thousand six in doing body work as a massage therapist, and then two thousand nine in coaching, Um, and that kind of melded with the the acrobatic career and into the circus career. The circus was actually a very traumatic experience for me, and the first time that I um, experienced a very a very stark separation from my body. I had pretty serious PTSD after that and um, have done a lot up to recover. Healing is, is my jam. I'm all about healing and I, I know a lot about it. And um, I got to test all of my skills, you know, with recovering from the circus and I still am. I'm still recovering from it. It's been 11 years or so now. Sure. Um, but that's where I learned about disembodiment. That's where I learned about how PTSD and how trauma separates someone from their body. It's really hard to be in your body if it's extremely painful or, you know, horrible things happened while I was in my body. It's like um, I I learned a piece of healing that I didn't know before because I was always embodied. I didn't understand disassociation disassociation in a way. Um, So I've done a lot of learning and healing with that. I think I forgot your second question. Did I answer both of those questions?
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, okay. perfectly. Uh, so my the second or the last question was uh, basically like how this diverse experience has actually helped you and your understanding about the sexuality and the mindfulness. So basically this, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, just working with so many people.
0: True. True, definitely with their
1: bodies, with sexuality and with being present and conscious with that. Yeah. That's just I've I've done that work, mindfulness, embodiment, and sexuality in so many different ways, in so so many different capacities for so many years now that there's some just universal truths and concepts that um I feel like I've done a good job at, at whittling down into some key stuff. Yeah. And it comes out in my coaching and that's what I'm that's what I'm doing in the world right now.
0: Exactly exactly
1: yeah
0: so uh the intersection of uh i mean the sexuality and the spirituality uh, so you have dedicated your life to studying the connections between both the physical uh, physical body and the sexuality and the spirituality so mm-hmm. uh, what according to you do these elements intersect in your work and also uh what role does this mindfulness play in fostering the uh, holistic approach to the intimacy?
1: Well, you know, I don't think you can separate it, and okay. I've 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 had arguments with people about it. I I once was told by a sex educator to never teach sexuality with spirituality, and then that was inappropriate and wrong. And I I've sat with that for a long time, and I just said, I don't know how not to. I don't see them as separate. Like I see it as holistic, and um however you want to view spirituality whatever whatever god you see whatever energy whatever universal truth you recognize all of that happens we all of that is perceived by us within our bodies and sexual energy is creative energy it's life force energy it's the energy that creates life um and all of that happens in the body so i don't I don't know how to separate the two. I don't see any reason to separate sexuality and spirituality. It's in the continuum of our being, you know, the spiritual energy comes in through this crown chakra and the sexual energy through this root chakra. And it's, it's all in a line. They both affect each other. They both work with each other. Um, So it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And I think it's necessary for me, it's necessary to work with all aspects of a person Rather okay. than, it's kind of a Western thing to segment, to separate and parse out different parts, like the body, the body and the mind being separate, sexuality and spirituality being separate. And I think it really does a disservice in understanding ourselves and our spirituality and our sexuality and our, and our truth.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like... You have mentioned that uh, your love for helping people feel more free within the within themselves through sexual healing. So, uh, can you can you share the specific instances where you have witnessed the transmittive power of the sexual healings in uh, individuals' uh, lives?
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many. Like there's just so so many. So, I, I do this work. It's a paradox. I do this work completely selflessly to help other people. And at the same, at the same time, it's entirely selfish because when someone with me gets a liberation, gets a freedom, gets a new awareness and expansion and enlightenment, I feel that in my body, I am released. I feel better. So um, specific instances, you know, some of my favorite are just the very sweet, gentle, little things when I just let people know that, that their body is normal, that, that it's not unusual to feel the way they feel. It's okay that they're attracted to the person they're attracted to. It's okay to be turned on by the things they're turned on by. It's okay to move your body. It's okay to touch your body. Like these little things that people didn't know or were, uh, were not taught growing up. I love to help people realize these simple truths that have monumental impacts on their life. To know that they're allowed to move, they're allowed to be attracted to men or to women or to non-binary people or to whatever. Helping people understand that they're normal, they're healthy, they're fine. Like getting rid of the shame stories is some of is some of my favorite work.
0: Oh, that's 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 a great way. Yeah. So yeah. in twenty twenty, uh, while I was uh, reading your bio, like in twenty twenty, you transitioned from uh, your business to an online model. So, mm-hmm. uh, how has this shift impacted your ability to reach and guide individuals, and uh, also mm-hmm. what the unique challenges and the opportunities uh, have you encountered in the virtual space?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I didn't want. I thought going digital. And I, people had encouraged me to do so for a long time and I never wanted to, I personally don't like the interfacing with the digital world. It feels unnatural to me. Um, I just have my own resistances to it. My skills are in lie in, in empathy and embodiment. I can really read a room well, and I can really orchestrate a classroom well, um, whether it's a movement class or just talking about sexuality or whatever the, the classroom is, I can tell when I've gone too far for somebody or when I need to speed it up or when we need to slow down and take a breath. It's harder to tell those kind of things um, online, but it's not impossible. Um, the challenges for me have been in, in describing what I do to people, not, not what I do to people, describing what I do to other people, like letting people know. Just the marketing side of things has been really hard for me in person. It's, I feel like it's more of an energetic thing and people just come because they feel the energy, like their heart is called to what I'm doing. So their heart shows up. Um, and that feels harder online, but I don't think it's impossible. I think it's possible for me to have a a much wider audience, a much bigger audience, a global audience. Um, I just don't like talking to cameras and screens. I want to, I want to, you know, I'm a massage therapist. I want to touch people. I want to put my hand on their hearts. I want to give hugs. I want to hold hands. So um, the challenges have been in having less connection and having more connection in different ways. You know, I think that's been for everybody moving to a digital world. There's less connection in some ways, but there's more of this like pseudo connection via screens. So I think that's a challenge for all of us and I'm working on it still. I don't think I have any answers Yet of like how to to market in the digital world and how to get my my message out there more uh, feels harder than ever.
0: Got it. <laughs> honestly. Got it. So uh, like as a uh, neurodivergent individual, like how do you integrate mindfulness in your own life, like both personally, professionally? Uh, how has it influenced your work with the clients?
1: mindfulness in my own, how do I implement mindfulness into my own life? Is that what you asked? Yeah. 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 Um, all sorts of ways. I do a lot of breathing to, to calm my nervous system. I, I mentioned before that I, um, experienced some things that created a lot of PTSD, which really dysregulated my nervous system quite a bit. And I am more reactive than I would like to be at times, and so I'll do a lot of breathing exercises throughout the day just to tone my parasympathetic nervous system, just to teach my body and remind my body that I'm safe. Um, and that's something I help clients with. This is a very common thing. I do a lot of yoga. Um, I work out. I read a lot, meditate, um, Yeah, do the things that I need to do to keep my body my body regulated so I can show up for people in a regulated state.
0: Yeah. yeah. Great. That's really great. And also about the boundaries when we are talking about Mm -hmm. intimacy. So uh, we should also talk about the boundaries. So mindful intimacy uh, involves like boundaries with the respect and the awareness. So how do you guide individuals in establishing and uh, communicating healthy boundaries in their intimate uh, relationships?
1: Yeah, great question. Thank you. Boundaries is a, a big focus of mine right now. Um, I have a an online coaching program that's six months, even a year's worth of coaching because it takes people a while to get through this program. Um, so it's pretty in-depth. In it's pretty dense. And what people are surprised to learn is how much boundaries are about embodiment, are about being in the body and your body is guiding you through what is true for you and what is not true for you in each moment. And, um, that takes some, you're not an embodied person to, to learn that. So there's so much to say about boundaries. Um, your boundaries are your personal truth. Your boundaries can only be told to you by you. And so kind of the first layer that I help people with is, is trying to take out all the other stories of what you should be doing, how your life should be lived, all of the media and marketing, especially in the, in the U S there's all sorts of propaganda in the, the news and advertisements and all sorts of stuff that influences who you are and how you feel about yourself. And so we try to shut those doors just at least for a time. So we can hear our own truth and our own voice. And that's step one for me in my program. And then, um, We look at how to move through resistance. We look at the energetic balance, the yin and yang of boundaries, of structure versus flow. We get into um, slowing down is, is the next part. And that's a huge aspect for people. Most of us, again, I think in the Western world, I don't know about other countries so much. Most of us are operating at a pace that is faster than our natural pace. And so we're missing when our little voice is like, hey, I don't feel good. Hey, I need some more food. Hey, I need some more water. Hey, I don't feel comfortable with the situation. It's a it's a small voice that's inside of us that says those things. Um, and we need to slow down enough to hear it. If we're caught up in the go, 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 do, do, do busyness of the world, then we miss, we miss the the prompts of our body. And by doing that, we don't just miss the prompts of our body, but we build a distrust. Our body's speaking to us and we're not listening. So we build a separation and a wall there. But when we learn to slow down, when we learn to listen, when we drink water, when our body says, hey, I'm thirsty, we build trust. Your body starts to say, oh, sh- she's listening. Oh, he's listening. He understands what I'm saying. And we'll speak to you more and we'll guide you more. And um Yeah. That's just kind of a little bit in a nutshell. There's a lot more to boundary work. We get into emotions and then most of my boundary work is internal boundaries. It's like your relationship with you. And at the end of the course, it starts to get into the external part, which is what most people focus on, how to communicate, how to say the things with other people. Um, I think we need to learn stuff before that. So that's why my, my course is on internal boundaries, focusing on stuff before we even talk to other people, before we even interact with other people.
0: Lovely. That's really lovely. So, like for our listeners who are looking to cultivate mindful intimacy in their lives, what practical advice or the exercises do you recommend to enhance their presence and purpose in their intimate uh, connections?
1: Mm, that's a great question. Um, I first want to say that you you have an intimate life, you have a sex life, whether or not you're partnered. A lot of people hear these things and say, well, I don't have a partner, so I can't practice intimacy. I can't, I don't have a sex life. And I, I often tell people, yes, you do. You do have a sex life. You might not be sharing it with another person right now. And that's okay. It is what it is. You know, it can change. It cannot change, whatever. That's another story. But you have a sex life. You have an intimate life. So add, add mindfulness to that part of your life, which means add presence to it. Add intention and ritual. Uh, maybe part of the ritual is how you prepare your body, ha- clean your body with food you eat, showering, oils you put on your body afterwards, just having intention with your with your body um, and also touching yourself in an intentional way. Like when you're putting on that oil or lotion or something, what are you saying to your body? I suggest try loving things. Try saying loving things to your body when you touch it. Thank you leg for walking me around all day today. You know, thank thank you chest for breathing and for taking in the air. Like your body does so much. There's so much to be grateful for. And when you're practicing this this intentionality and this gratitude, you're creating neurochemicals that will feel good. And they'll make you happy. It's it's good stuff to be to be positive with yourself and your body. So just adding in your awareness, which goes back to slowing down, but slow down a little bit. If you do have a partner, like if you're touching them in any way, sexual, non-sexual, or kissing them or anything, are you totally there? Are you present with the scenario or are you thinking about other things? Do what you need to do to bring all of yourself to that situation, Turn off the phone, close the computer, write down the checklist and get it out of your head. Like, do what you need to do for you to show up in a way that is fully there as best as you know how to at this point. Exactly. And if you need help, get help, get a coach, get therapists. therapist. There's all sorts of people out there doing really great work, myself included, that would love to help you.
0: That's really lovely. That's really lovely, yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, like, uh, can you share the instances where embracing the mindful intimacy has had a positive impact on the individual's mental well-being, fostering mm-hmm. relationships with themselves and also with their partners?
1: Like a specific example? Um, Is that what you're thinking of?
0: Yeah, you can share. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I'm going to try to find a client that's not... Close by <laughs> it time-wise, proximity-wise. Um, I'm thinking of a client that struggled with ejaculating too quickly, which is a common thing. Um, and by the way, that's very subjective. If you don't feel like it's too quick, then it's not, then you're fine. If you're okay with the time frame in which you ejaculate, then you're good. If you're not okay with it and if you want to extend it further, then we can do things to work on it. But um we honestly just did breathing exercises. He wasn't breathing. He was holding his breath. He didn't have much capacity in his body for bigger energy in any way. Not a lot of capacity for sadness or anger or fear. He was he was very tight in his physical body. And we learned to add some looseness there and to add room for sadness, add room for fear, add room for anger add room to feel sexual sexuality is powerful all of these emotions i've just talked about they're powerful energies that run through our body and you can't this is a brene brown quote you can't selectively numb any emotion you can't pick one of those and say i'm not gonna feel anger but i want to feel sexuality you can't we are one hose we are one channel of energy so he needed to learn to feel period just to feel energy in his body and allow energy to move through his body. So we just had to practice allowing energy to move through his body and adding breath to that, adding some movement to that. Like, okay, this is uncomfortable. This is weird. I never done this before. Right. So we just expanded his capacity for bigger energy. And then he began practicing having longer and longer erections and that hugely changed his confidence in himself, which really affected his mental health and his relationship. It massively affected his relationship. He could be in intimacy, in sexual connection with his partner for longer, which they both wanted. And he just didn't know how to. So that's, that's just one example that came off the top of my head first, but there's just so many. When we feel good about ourselves, our lives, our body, of course, that is in direct relation to our mental health and our relationships.
0: That's really lovely. Great. Great. So, and that concludes our thought-provoking and empowering conversations with uh, Melissa on Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. So we have delved into the realms of mindful intimacy, sexuality, and the liberating journey to the authenticity. So listeners, like if you have found this episode enlightening, be sure to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Your support fuels our mission to bring you conversation that foster mental well-being and the empowerment. And as we wrap up, remember that mindful intimacy is not just a destination, but a continuous journey to, of self-discovery and the connection. So take the wisdom shared by Melissa and incorporate it in, into your daily life for a more intentional and purposeful approach to the intimacy. So thank you for being a part of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life community. And until next time, stay mindful, embrace the authenticity and continue thriving on your journey to a healthier mind and life. So stay well, stay mindful and keep thriving. So thank you so much.